Hey everybody, it's Jeremy. Soap and Brandy Joe. <laughs> I'm so much. <laughs> this is scaring is sharing. That's the name of our show. Yep, it's uh, the place where we share our scares. And we're here to share, yes, scares with all you scare sharers, you uh, horror movie maniacs. I don't know what we're calling anybody yet, but uh, that's it. I like when you call them little maniacs. I think well, that's fun. Little maniacs. <laughs> like L-I-L. Little. little little maniacs. Little maniacs. <laughs> so, Brandy Joe, how are you? You know what? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Doing good. Today is the day of days that we are recording. When everybody hears this, it'll be over. But today is Halloween. So it is indeed. I am jacked up and good to go. And you know, going into 2020, everyone was super hyped about this Halloween because it was happening on a Saturday. It's a full moon. Um, it's daylight savings time. Um, we gain an hour, like we get another hour of sleep and now here we are and it is what it is. <laughs> well, it kind of worked out for me because the only thing I ever care to do on Halloween is watch movies. Uh, and I'm always like, you know, parties are fun, but they get in the way of me being able to watch movies. <laughs> so. I came to a Halloween party at your house a couple years ago, I think two years ago. Yes. I, you usually have one, right? Yep, we've had, we've had them the last couple of years. Although last year, uh, it kind of worked out because I was like, I don't want to host again next year. Uh, I want a break. And look what happened. It worked look out. Look at the universe coming around for you. <laughs> it listened to me. It sure did. So cool. So what have you watched so far today? Today? Okay. So last night, you know, Devil's Night, I did revisit Army of Darkness. Uh, awesome. One of the all-time, you know, classics, personal favorite. Um, I had a buddy in college. It, uh, for some reason, specifically, I mean, all the Evil Deads are good, but specifically, Army of Darkness sits in my mind as a Halloween movie because I okay. had a buddy. I had a buddy in college that, for some reason, Army of Darkness was his Halloween tradition. He would watch specifically Army of Darkness every year on Halloween, so that sticks in my brain as as that. Um, I watched, and so people know because there are multiple cuts of this movie. If anybody knows the, uh, you know, the sordid history of army of darkness i watched the director's cut uh which has quite a bit of um alternate and extra footage from the theatrical cut cool um like like the director's cut has the, the entire i'm sure people that are very hip to the series know the theatrical cut has the ending where ash gets back to his own time uh and he's in the s mart telling the story of being the hero in medieval love times love that ending yes the director's cut is the one that ends with him uh, sleeping too long when he takes the sleeping potion to go back to uh, uh, his time and he wakes up with a big beard uh, and there's this weird futuristic city and ruins in front of him and he goes, I slept too long! And then it cuts <laughs> to the credits. Uh, so a little more of a downer ending. That's fun. And again, I keep shouting them out, but, uh, well, they're part of Shout Factory, haha, <laughs> pun. Uh, Scream Factory, who does the horror movie, uh, releases for Shout Factory, the distribution label. Um, they have a Blu-ray set of Army of Darkness that includes four different cuts of the movie. Wow. Uh, which are the four major cuts that exist, which are the theatrical cut, the director's cut, the international cut, and then the television cut. 
all of which are pretty noticeably different from each other when you do watch them. So uh, for some reason, a lot of editing and reworking happened to this movie. Um, But yeah, specifically, I watched Sam Raimi's director's cut. Um, Again, the Scream Factory set, if you can get it. I don't know if it's still in print or not. I got it a few years ago, but if it's out there, get it if you're a fan of this movie because it's the... um, uh, it's probably the best set they're ever going to do of Army of Darkness. Uh, and uh, uh, Scream Factory, if you're listening, if you hear us, I keep <laughs> shouting you guys out because you're great. Uh, maybe we can talk to somebody someday from there or <laughs> do some reviews for you, something, anything. But anyway, their, their release of Army of Darkness is great. That was my Devil's Night viewing. Uh, and so far this morning, I have watched Forbidden Planet. Uh, it's it's a little light on horror. It's really more of a science fiction film. Um, but I'm a giant nerd here. And the reason I threw it on is because Forbidden Planet and the original The Thing from Another World uh, are the movies that are playing on TV in the original Halloween when people are watching the, uh, the scary right. movie marathon. Yes. It's Forbidden Planet and The Thing from Another World. Uh, Lindsay and Tommy. Yep. That's what they're watching. So I'm like, I'm going to watch those today at the very least. Get those in so I can. And hopefully later tonight, I'll be watching the original Halloween because that is like, like everybody else, that's the Halloween movie in my mind. So um, that's awesome. Hey, have you watched anything last night, this morning? Um, you know, what? I woke up at like 4 a.m. this morning. Um, not quite the witching hour, but almost. Because I have to be up at 6.30 to do like an early morning meeting on Saturdays. But I woke up a little too early and I was like, oh, I should watch something scary. So I started to watch The Innocence because I finished Bly Manor this week. Um, or as I'm calling it, The Haunting of Blythe Danner. Um, but I finished it this week and it won me over by the end. I, I was not into it for a little bit and it seemed to kind of lag. Um, but I finished the series, cried at the end, loved it. Um, so I figured I'd watch The Innocence, which is based on Turn of the Screw as well. Um, and I made it only about half hour before I was like, okay, I'm ready to go back to sleep for a couple hours. So that is what I watched. That, so it's been a lot of Turn of the Screw this week with finishing <laughs> Bly, Bly Manor and then watching The Innocence this morning. And that's mm-hmm. been it. I've been busy. So I know it got rough. I got, uh, I was really trucking along, watching a lot of stuff. And uh, for some reason, this past week has kind of grinded to a halt. I haven't gotten in as much as I wanted to. So, uh, but with today being a Saturday and I'll hopefully I'll get a few more in. Do it. Um, so you had mentioned the movies you watched were both kind of like sci-fi, right? Yes. Okay. My friend Nico, who listens to the podcast, big horror nerd, love him. Um, when I kept talking about things being Lovecraftian, he's like, I don't like to use that term because apparently Lovecraft was um, a big old racist and anti-Semitic. So he likes to use the word cosmic horror. So I'm going to start using that term instead of Lovecraftian. <laughs> yeah, he, he was very racist. That's the big, that's probably a subject for an entirely different podcast <laughs> with people that have better nuance and understanding than just, goofballs like us to go on about but but i don't support that so absolutely we don't support that but yeah the legacy of lovecraft is very problematic and uh there is a reckoning things like lovecraft country i feel you know are trying to start a dialogue and a reckoning with that legacy which is like yeah he created all these horror tropes that to this very day you know 
it's still a well everybody draws from, but at the same time, there's a lot of stupid shit in there that he believed. Uh, and excising that is, you know, important going forward. And I don't know if they address it on Lovecraft Country since I'm waiting to binge it, but now that I know that, watching it is going to be even more interesting. Yeah, I, I, there is a, I, um, there's clearly a dialogue going on uh, in the show with the the racism of Lovecraft uh, versus, you know, having a, uh, this uh, black cast in the show and about them. So uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Is it finished? Is it over? It's, it's over. It's over. So the whole thing should be up on uh, HBO now. Cool. I'm ready. Thanks. Thanks, Nico. Yeah, Nico. I appreciate the knowledge because I've talked about Lovecraftian things a lot and I'm not going to do it anymore. Yeah, cosmic. Uh, I, I've, I understand the phrase I think is cosmic indifference is what they use, which is the idea the horror comes from uh, humans grappling with the fact that in the scope of the cosmos, the universe, we're pretty insignificant. Mm. Uh, And, you know, if there are intelligences and creatures larger than us, you know, we'd be like, you know, we're insects compared to some other greater force or intelligence out there. So cosmic indifference is uh, a phrase I've heard to describe the the horror in those stories. Um, Yeah. But uh, anyway... Uh, I got some news items. Oh, please bring them. It seems like a bunch of stuff all hit at once out of nowhere. So um, we got the surprise Halloween Kills teaser trailer just dropped the other day. Yeah. Uh, And my God, does that look awesome. Um, It does. Should have been out by now, uh, but it's not. Uh, And I feel like it would have been a perfect movie to release to drive-ins. But I know there's contracts and shit out there for... uh, theater chains i'm sure it has to be released to like amc theaters or whoever um just the inner workings of the movie slash theater complex but it looks so good i want it i want it now um i was grateful they didn't show too much and i i think i'm gonna avoid a full trailer when it does come out yeah much as like that's against everything in my body i would love to watch it as blind as possible. And I yeah. that, that felt that the two teasers that have come out have shown so little, and I'm all for that. They look perfect. They look perfect. Um, and it, jumping off of that, John Carpenter, uh, who now- Love him. Uh, the greatest, the maestro. Uh, he's essentially retired from filmmaking at this point. Um, he hasn't made anything in- years i think there was like a one-off movie a few years back he did uh but before that he's had a huge gap uh in his filmography uh and he whenever he's interviewed because he always gets interviewed this time of year uh he always says that he's got nothing new in the works as far as film or television go uh but he's been focusing on music a lot yeah uh and he just announced a third album of uh lost themes Mm -hmm. part, part three uh, there's a new track that's out. It's pretty good. It sounds like most John Carpenter with, uh, you know, a lot of synthesizers. Heck yeah. He is working with a band uh, on hmm. these actually, which are himself, uh, his son, uh, Cody Carpenter, I believe is his name, uh, and his godson, uh, Daniel Davies, um, who is, funny enough, the son of... Davies, I can't remember the guy's first name, sorry, but he was in the Kinks. 
So okay. rock band connection right there, but they're functioning as a band together and doing all this new John Carpenter music. So it's pretty cool. So uh, cool. If you're into it, check it out. Some great synthy eighties horror type stuff. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, and it looks like we talked about this not that long ago. Uh, the children of the corn movie already came out. Yeah. Yeah, and it surprised the horror blogs that I follow were all like, we had no idea this was coming out, and it's just out. It got quietly released, apparently, already. In so. Florida, I think. Yeah, so that's out. Uh, I haven't seen any reviews. I can't find any info about it online other than people being like, we had no idea this was getting released, and here it is. So, Yeah, I'm skeptical of that because I read that, but then without there being any reviews or anything, like I wonder if it actually did or if they something came out where, I, I don't know. I'm definitely intrigued. Absolutely. And like we said too, I, the only one I've ever seen is the original Children of the Corn. Um, and I know this is like the 11th movie, something like that, based on Children of the Corn. So uh, I know it's got fans, like there is a fandom out there. Uh, so, you know, I've just avoided them because I've always heard all of the movies suck pretty much except for the original. And the original's not even that great. No. Uh, but there's fans out there. So, you know, if you guys, if anybody can educate us, tell us which ones, <laughs> which ones to watch or any of them decent, uh, let us know. I'd be willing to explore that world. And it has an evil little girl, which I'm always down for. Yeah. Yeah. Evil kids, man. Yeah. They get, they'll get you. Um, and I think one more thing, Lucas, our friend, Lego horror videos. Yeah. Just, just put out another video. Uh, and man, that killer clown, it, he is on the loose and <laughs> nobody can stop him. I have no idea where this, this story is going, but I love watching these little Legos kill each other. It's He's great. just the best. I adore him so much and cannot wait to have him on here to talk with us. Absolutely. And it, it, it's just this cool idea, this cool Lego videos he's doing. Um, dude, write a screenplay. Turn this thing into a turn it into a movie like i would watch this as an actual movie it is cool as hell yeah and please if you haven't go check out his youtube channel he has full videos of like all the kills from certain movies i know i think he's done like entire versions of movies all in lego that he's like teased on his instagram page follow him check his stuff out he's just so good he's cool so we can't wait to have him on we're gonna we're gonna make that happen at some point so I have a piece of news that's really interesting, and I don't know if you heard this week. Oh. The Spiritual Science Research Foundation put out um, a fact this week that 85% of gay people are possessed by ghosts. Did you know? Oh, whoa. Weird. <laughs> and these ghosts make you murderous 100% of the time. Oh, God. It's a fact, Jeremy. That is terrifying. Do you, do you feel ghostly possessed as soon as i was told this fact it all made sense in my life it says that similarly um some other things that can happen to you they the, the ghosts possess you to say bad words and enjoy being nude among others whoa i know the main reason behind gay orientation is that men are possessed by female ghosts and women are possessed by men ghosts which make them lesbians murderous lesbians wow so i thought you should know this is a big revelation but <laughs> wait a minute i like saying bad words and being nude amongst others so, <laughs> well, 
<laughs> well, am I? What's that say about me? I think you also have to be attracted to someone of the same sex in order to know that you're possessed. So okay. you're, you're like a wannabe. Yeah, I'm a poser. <laughs> Sad, really. So that's, that's the groundbreaking news I heard this week. Um, they also, I believe, think that the um, coronavirus is all the powerful negative energies in the spiritual dimension. That's why it's happened. So like the slime in Ghostbusters 2. I believe that is the Slimer. Slimer caused coronavirus, essentially, is what they're saying. Yeah, that's what happened. All the negative emotions <laughs> created the slime. That's it. It's happening. <laughs> but we got to tell everybody, man. We got to blow the lid off this thing. I know. I can't believe you haven't heard. But I'm in a, a gay um, horror group on Facebook. It's LGBTQ plus horror fans, I think is the name of it. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. The memes that go around there and everything like that are hilarious. And Mm -hmm. this is where I saw this posted numerous times this week. Um, It's also funny because if someone joins the channel newly, like the the group, they'll be like, oh, has anyone seen Hereditary? (laughs) And the the queens go crazy. They get so pissed off. They're like, quit talking about Hereditary. it's so funny so everybody just wants to talk about hereditary huh they do they do and they think that no one's ever heard of it before yeah it was just the biggest movie for a minute so you know but if you're gay and you're out there and you're not a part of it look up lgbtq horror fan page on facebook there's like thousands upon thousands of people in it you'll know which one i'm talking about and and join it it's a lot of fun or even if you're not gay too because those memes that's right those memes are fucking hilarious that you've sent me so <laughs> it's true well um i think that's it for my my news corner here um and, thank you news corner yep uh i haven't seen any any shocking uh uh revelations like you just shared out there you know? <laughs> uh, well keep your eyes open I'll, I'll 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 keep my eyes peeled i do follow weekly world news uh oh online so you know they're they're coming back uh the the famous supermarket tabloid bat boy is back in action so um, you know what i did hear one other factoid this week um it's not hmm. as exciting as the the gay people possessed by ghosts bit um but i read some sort of like 10 things you may not have known about halloween 3 season of the witch oh there was one that i did not well there's a couple in there that i wanted to mention um one is that the theme song which you so lovingly sang for us before um Mm -hmm. The little, like, you know, the, what's it Silver called? Shamrock. Yep. Silver um, Shamrock. But it's not a theme. What's it called when it's a... A jingle. A jingle, thank you. Um, that the jingle is the music of London Bridges mm-hmm. because it was free domain and they wanted something catchy. So that's what they went with. And I never put it together that that's what it was. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Yeah, that, that, uh, uh, that was something that when I figured it out, it shocked me where I'm like, that sounds familiar. But when you change the words of a familiar tune like that, suddenly it becomes a new song and you're like, sounds familiar, but I don't know what it is. And you also put that, like there's that little bit in the background. Mm -hmm. Also, Mm -hmm. Tom Atkins says that his theory, which he says is the correct one, is that he saves all the children at the end. I like I like the enthusiasm. (laughs) I I like his optimism. I'd like to think he saves the kids too, because... Uh, that's such an intense ending scene. Turn it off! The station's still on! Oh, it's such a good ending. Like, just you say, just, it just gave me little goosebumps because it is such a good ending. Just cut to black and you're like, holy shit. 
Because I'm sure the, being the first audience watching it, you're like, what's going to happen? Like, are we going to see all these kids like just melt and monster, <laughs> yeah, just implode and and explode? And um, you know what? And you don't get to see it. And I, I love that it's ambiguous, but I had never heard him say before, like, I saved them. <laughs> well, so, he is the hero. So yeah, hell yeah. Right. Hell yeah. He saved the kids of America. That's right. So sorry, those are, those are my last bits of news. So let's let's share a little bit here. Let's get to the sharing. Let's do yeah. it. Let's. So who goes first this time? I know we're not really keeping track. <laughs> so uh, not keeping track. So who gives a shit? And if anybody is offended by this, that it flip-flops all the time. You can go fuck yourself. That's right. <laughs> fuck off is what we say. It's our show. We'll do it our way. Why don't you go first? You, you share with me. Okay. Well, you know, I was on one track all week. It just popped in my head where I was like, I'm going to give them this movie. Um, but I just totally changed my mind the other day. Something came over me and I was just like, nope, I'm going to save what I was going to give you for later. I'm playing with this idea. Um, maybe, I don't know if listeners would be into this, but I want to do like next month, I'm going to go with a theme for everything I give to you. Ooh, I like I'm, it. I'm going to pick one subgenre and just give you various examples from that. Uh, cool. So So instead for today, um, just because I feel like it's a, I've been seeing it mentioned in interviews because uh, John Carpenter uh, has been being interviewed a lot lately. Uh, and I think it's just, it's a great movie that has held up since it was made till now. It's relevant still, you know, 30 whatever years later. So I'm giving you- I know what you, it is. They Live. Yes, I knew you were going to say it. The I'm John so Carpenter masterpiece in many people's minds, They Live with, you know, my favorite pro wrestler, uh, rest in peace, Roddy Piper. Oh, I thought you were going to say Mr. T. <laughs> was he a wrestler? No, Mr. T. He did. He did wrestle a little bit. Uh, I Mr. thought T so. Was, was not in this movie, though. <laughs> but you do um, get Rowdy Roddy Piper. Okay. Yeah, this movie's had quite the resurgence in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like, uh, you know, it was supposed to be a commentary on the 80s and apparently shit has not changed since the 80s in America. So it still feels relevant today. Okay. What, what do you what do you know about it? I don't want to give away too much. And but you might already know stuff because this is a movie that's really seeped into the pop cultural, you know, ether. Yeah. So what I know about it is there's some sort of magic pair of sunglasses that when you wear them, you can see who isn't really human, who's like posing as a human, but actually like a, a robot or an android of some nature, someone who's not on our side, someone like there's some sort of secret organization or conspiracy and these sunglasses, I don't know how they're magic. If someone made them so that they could see and it just gets in the hands of sort of an unlikely hero. I feel in my mind that the, the um, protagonist is not someone who was looking for this ability. He stumbles upon it somehow and is like decides, makes the decision at some point in the film to, you know, try to do humanity good and take down the, the Android bad people. <laughs> mm -hmm, so that's, mm -hmm. that's overall what I think it's about. Um, and I'm going to predict that he's successful in the end, at least, he thinks he is. Like lots of good horror movies, maybe at the very end, there's the hint that, nope, you didn't get them all. But 
But I think mostly he's going to be successful. That's what I'm hoping, especially just in this day and age. Like, please, John Carpenter, give us some hope, please. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, uh, from the sounds of it, I think you will enjoy watching this at the very <laughs> least. I'm going to predict. And it's, would you call it straight up horror or would you call it like a sci-fi horror mash? I, it, yes, it is a mix of those two. Uh, there, there is horror. Uh, and I actually rewatched this not that long ago, but I will be watching again when we discuss as well. But the last time I watched it, I was like, you know, this, I feel like actually the horror horror is a little lighter. It's a little more science fiction, but mostly I would call this an action movie. It feels cool. most of all like an 80s action movie with flourishes of horror and science fiction. So I enjoy a horror movie that has a lot of commentary. And I think that that's... There's a ton of social commentary yeah. in this. Yeah. So. I'm really into that. So, so I'm definitely looking forward to checking it out. Mm-hmm. And who's the lead actor? Uh, Roddy Piper. Oh, that, he is the wrestler. He's, he's the lead. He was a pro yes. wrestler. Okay. dabbled in movies a minute and you know he's no longer with us so rest in peace Roddy Piper um but yeah he is a he is a force uh, I don't know if he was a great actor <laughs> you can judge for yourself but he was he was quite the force on screen uh okay he brings that pro wrestling you know larger than life personality to everything he did so cool all right well thank you and I will share my movie with you now nope Tell so, me. <laughs> I have realized that I definitely enjoy, because so far every movie I've shared with you is generally about a female protagonist. Mm-hmm. It speaks to me the most. And I think that the horror world has a lot of that. Um, but it definitely is what I'm most intrigued by. Um, and I realize that every movie I've had has that. Um, and this week will be no different. However, I did also realize that every movie I think we've done so far has been directed by a man. So I went mm. out of my way this week to look through my list of movies that I would like for you to watch that you've not watched and see which ones are directed by women. And that was my goal this week, was to give you a movie directed by a woman because women are awesome and they're great directors. And you know what? There's not a lot of them, I, I think, like who get noticed within the horror worlds, no less like the film world needs more attention to these female voices. 100%. Um, and this is a 2020 movie, which I don't think we've done so far either. So it's mm-hmm. new. Um, and I'm excited to hear what you think of it. It's called Relic. Relic. Oh. Not the relic. No, not the, not the, not the Tom Sizemore. I remember he was in that the monster movie in the museum. Yeah. Um, Did you see that one though? Yes. Yeah. Okay. When, I, when I was a kid, I thought it was the scariest shit like ever when it came out. Now it's like it's in a very silly movie. <laughs> okay. Uh, the bits I've seen uh, in adult years, but um, relic. Yes, I've seen the name. Uh, I knew it was the biggest movie in America for a minute at uh, drive-ins because it was one of the only things out making money. Uh, And that's all I know about it. I know absolutely nothing else about this movie. So what would you think it's about based on that limited knowledge you have? (laughs) (laughs) No fucking clue. Uh, (laughs) Relic makes me think of something old. So I assume it's about an old person, an old artifact. Could go many ways. Uh, If it's about an old 
might be about an old person. And I think I saw a poster that had an old lady on it, maybe. <laughs> Uh, so I bet she is like evil or evil forces are connected to her, uh, maybe a possession exorcism type thing going on. Or if it's about a thing, a relic, uh, somebody finds a cursed object from the past. And again, more possession monsters, something shows up connected to that. Uh, but I don't know. I have no idea. I think didn't, was IFC involved with this movie? The, uh, Mm. Independent Film Channel, their uh, distribution arm, I want to say. Yeah, IFC Midnight. You're right. I knew it. You're so good. That's, that's it. That's all I know. IFC Midnight, I know they put out a lot of fun shit over the years. Um, well, not shit. You know, <laughs> stuff uh, over the years. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm interested to see this. I would recommend watching with Sarah if she's down. Okay. Yeah, watch it with your wife. I'm gonna, I asked my husband if he'd watch it because I also feel like it would be one that he might enjoy. So I'm hoping at least I can get him to watch. But if you can get Sarah to watch, even better. That would be, yeah. Love to know her thoughts. Cool. Well, awesome. Well, I am so looking forward to it. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back shortly to talk about these shares and what we thought of them. Absolutely. Cue the music. Don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. And we're back. Yes, we are. Hello. Hello, Brandy Joe. Hello, Jeremy Rusk. How, how did you miss me? Oh my God, I missed you so much. But, you know, then I go back and listen to the podcast and it's like, we never left each other. <laughs> I know. I pretty much listen to us every day editing. So you're always there in my heart. You were always here. <laughs> so we watched our movies. We did. We watched them and we're, uh, uh, we're going to start off with They Live. We are. Now, what, what a great movie for, you know. For our times. For our times. I'm gonna, we're gonna start this week by reading a little brief plot description in case you haven't seen the film, just to give you an idea of what it's about. A new little thing we're gonna do for you. That's right. And if you have seen it, it's been forever ago, it'll be a little refresher course. So I've been getting these plot descriptions off Letterboxd. I think that they're nice and concise. So here's for They Live. Nada, a wanderer without meaning in his life, discovers a pair of sunglasses capable of showing the world the way it truly is. As he walks the streets of Los Angeles, Nada notices that both the media and the government are compromised of subliminal messages meant to keep the population subdued, and that most of the social elite are skull-faced aliens bent on world domination. With this shocking discovery, Nada fights to free humanity from the mind-controlling aliens. Hmm. Sounds good. <laughs> it does sound like a great movie, and it was a great movie. Oh, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I just, so many of these movies you've given me, I'm like, I cannot believe I haven't seen this so far, but especially this one. Like When I've made mention of it in the last couple of days, everyone's like, oh yeah, that the thing in Halloween or John Carpenter's tray opus or whatever. Like, yeah, that's like the triumvirate right there. Yep. The, the triage of amazing, amazing work. And it just was so good. And all three of those films are so different. Oh, yeah. I feel like they live in the thing are more in line with one another than either of them are with Halloween. Mm-hmm. But 
but they're all very different and tonally also they all have a much different vibe like this one definitely was more of a comedy i mean i don't consider those other two common comedies whatsoever but this definitely i would classify as a comedy but it's not only that which is what i love yeah the thing has a little bit of black comedy in it it does it does just this is pretty much like very in your face funny (laughs) yeah this is this is a little more uh he almost toes the line with slapstick a couple of times for sure especially that fight scene like i wrote down epic fight put the glasses on (laughs) and i didn't know until after it because i posted i have um another instagram the scream queen with a q w e e n because i'm a big old queen and i post movie posters like alternate horror movie posters and when i posted this people were like that fight scene and i Mm -hmm. guess i just i mean it's what everyone seems to remember from this movie if you remember anything you remember that insane fight five minute long it just scene. goes on and on and on. It's all about putting on those glasses. Just put, put them on. on the glasses. <laughs> it's so brilliant. Oh, it's incredible. So what a fucking cool movie. And after I posted that, after you shared it with me, it just seems to be popping up left and right in the last few days with, I mean, I know this is coming after the fact as you listen to this, but right now the election was just yesterday. So, I mean, the times are a changing and it definitely feels more relevant right now than it has, you know, probably in some time. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy too how uh, John Carpenter made this movie really, uh, you know, he was ripping on Reaganomics uh, and the state of American culture in the 80s. and it hasn't changed that much. Yeah, classism is still a huge thing. And I'm not really big and up on politics and things like that. I, I know where I stand as far as what is important to me and I, what I think is important, you know, for the world around me. But I definitely know so much of what is going on in our world is, you know, the, the uber rich against everyone else. <laughs> There's a, mm-hmm. an awful lot of that happening. And, and it's definitely a, like this movie shows the extremes. Like you have your homeless people who are just working for some money and a place to stay. And that's kind of like our core group that we're hanging out with throughout the film and our unlikely hero, Nada. And then you have once, you know, they go down to these catacombs or, you know, these, this, this alternate place that they get, they jump down into their little portal and you have like these elite rich folk down there and it's just it's you know classism at its finest or worst Mm -hmm. and you know and it does i don't know uh because this is uh based on a short story i was just quickly reading this again there's a short story called the eight o'clock people eight o'clock in the morning or something eight o'clock in the morning or something like that i don't know eight o'clock in the morning i might be combining it with something else but it it was a short story i think that was published in like a science fiction anthology. Mm. Then it got turned into a comic book by the same author oh. called Nada and published in some comic anthology. But somewhere along the line, John Carpenter grabbed a hold of it and then thought this would be a good movie and then developed it into They Live. So cool. And I loved the creature design, the monster design, whatever you would like to call it, is so cool because mm-hmm. total practical effects and it's so creepy looking. 
I just loved them. They're so, and that how it's in stark black and white, whenever you see that difference. It also has sort of a feeling of 1984. Like there's just this like interesting big brother sort of vibe, like just told in a, a different sort of element. And in the first half, we were talking about, you know, um, moving away from using the phrase Lovecraftian <laughs> and using cosmic horror. Yes. And I feel like this movie definitely has cosmic horror in there with the aliens controlling human fate and destiny without us even knowing it. Like that's the definition of cosmic horror, I think, is just we don't even know. Uh, we're all just a game. It doesn't even matter. And it's these super... Uh, entrenched powerful aliens that are just controlling everything and we we were not even aware of it another element i really liked about it was that it took its time setting itself up like the, it didn't hop into some crazy wild thing happening in the beginning you know a la halloween a la anything now you have to start with some sort of spooky scene that gets the the action rolling and then you kind of settle things down and get to know your your hero and the people around them mm -hmm. and this just really just took its time it was a good you know 20 minutes before anything seemed to really happen and i love that yeah it's just you know roddy piper shows up in town he's a drifter looking for work and you're like this is just a lot of social commentary i'm getting for like a good half hour yeah uh, until he's like, hey, what's going on in that church? And puts on the sunglasses and uh, boy, does his world change. It's like, just, you know, an idea the Matrix would use later of just having your world change just like that in a flash, you see the reality. Yeah, it's, it's really terrific. And he has a body like no other. You're right, he's like a pro wrestler body. He only has his shirt off like once, I think, though. I was like, can we please have it a little more often but i appreciated that his acting was not super great but it didn't really matter it was it totally worked for who he was who who his character mm -hmm. was now i had read that uh john carpenter wanted uh I, I think the quote was he was looking for a real man's man That's him. to be the lead in this. Uh, and he happened to be at a WrestleMania. Oh, wow. Where Rowdy Roddy Piper was, you know, one of the main, uh, the headliners at it. Oh, that's uh, his he name? Saw him and he's like, yeah, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh, I like it. Uh, and he was like, he used to wear a kilt. Real men wear skirts was his, you know, one of his catchphrases. And uh, yeah, he, uh, he saw him at WrestleMania and like, this guy is it. Because... Uh, Roddy Piper, you go back, you can watch. I mean, he's, rest in peace, he's no longer with us. How did he pass away? Uh, he had a heart attack mm. a few years ago. I actually met him uh, at his last uh, Motor City Comic Con appearance. Cool. Right before he passed, got his autograph. So I have a They Live, you know, headshot signed by Roddy, Roddy Piper. Oh. Uh, and, as, you know, it says something like, no more bubblegum. <laughs> something like that is what he put on there and signed it. But, uh, yeah, you go back and you watch uh, old wrestling promos you know he he always had a mouth he had a he had a real knack for dialogue uh and just coming up with stuff on the spot uh, a lot of his one-liners are ad-libbed in this movie or just you know hit from his repertoire of like wrestling so uh, many banter. good one-liners that's the another thing i wrote down so many good ones of course the i came here to chew yes. bubblegum and kick ass and i'm all out of bubblegum yep joe hasn't seen this movie but he knew that line and um, this one, real fucking ugly, and life's a bitch, and she's back in heat. 
uh, what's the other one I love is, uh, uh, mama don't like tattletales. <laughs> yeah. Shoots the one guy. <laughs> so great. And the, uh, and then just him with Keith David, Keith David as Frank, which John Carpenter, again, he wrote that role specifically for Keith David. Uh, he loved playing or he loved working with him on the thing so much that he's like, I got to have him again in another movie. And, you know, Keith David is just that voice. Every time, you know, he's got such a distinct voice and presence. He's just, he's just great. I feel like, I know he's in a lot of stuff, but I'm always like, he's still underutilized. He should have been oh, a huge star. So uh, but, he, you know, we'll have to settle for his amazing character actor work. Yeah, he's really fantastic. Um, and at the very end of the movie, there's like a, someone's watching TV and the, the reviewer or someone is talking about John Carpenter and George Romero, which was so fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and I love all the people watching um, every time uh, there's a television on, most people are just staring at it like zombies uh, and it's just trash television. And you're like, man, things have not changed at all. <laughs> no, they've just, just gotten worse. Garbage. It's pumping out. and Yeah. It's just gotten worse. Yeah. I love the, the story of like a homeless hero. I don't think that's something that you really get a whole lot. And I just appreciated that sort of story being told. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, the working class hero. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's uh, Roddy Piper brings a little authenticity there too. Cause um, I, I watched a documentary about him uh, ages ago. Mm -hmm. And I just remember his, uh, in his life story, he was kind of a drifter as a young man, uh, you know, just dropped out of school and went out on his own living in like youth hostels. Uh, so it's like, okay, he did live that life of just, you know, itinerant moving around until he, uh, he got into boxing and wrestling, you know, fighting. And then from there, that's how he became famous. But um, yeah, there's a bit of authenticity there, I think with that. And uh, I, I did read a thing right before we uh, started recording this too, that I didn't know was a lot of the uh, homeless people, the extras, uh, and the incidental characters in there were actual homeless people. Oh, wow. That, that they employed and uh, John Carpenter paid them and fed them. Uh, and uh, Roddy Piper said, I thought that was pretty classy of him. <laughs> so. And Meg Foster, I mean, you look at her eyes and you know she's going to be no good. Oh, yeah. I love that triple like twist where she betrays him and then she's good, <laughs> but then she betrays him again at the end. Oh, man. But her eyes, they're just like steel. I'm like, she can't be any good. And she's always a bad guy, usually. She's perfect uh, for it. Yeah, she was Evil Lynn in the Masters of the Universe movie with oh, Dolph Lundgren. I as saw that in the theater, so, but I do not remember it at all. Uh, that's one of my childhood, like, this is the greatest movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> you watch it now and it's like, uh, 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 kids are dumb. But <laughs> as a child, I loved it. She has a similar vibe to the lead gal in Hellraiser. Not the daughter, not yes. Christy. Yes, yeah, but yeah. The, the evil stepmom, I can't remember her name. Yep, yep, she does, doesn't she? Has she has a similar sort of iciness yeah. to her. And I don't know, there's something kind of enticing about it. Too. Yes, yeah, she's little... sexy and... In a scary in way. In a scary way, like, scary but sexy. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of about that, so yeah, that's I can, cool. I can totally yeah. dig that. Uh -huh, um, uh -huh. And I liked that because my assumption of what this movie was i had a pretty good idea going into it like I, oh, you nailed I, it pretty I, much. I pretty much did except my one thing that i was off on was that i called them robots or androids and they're really mm. aliens oh they're just straight up straight aliens, up yeah. aliens um but i appreciated that 
what I, because I knew what they looked like going into the movie. Like you've seen those images throughout, you know, mm-hmm. being, if you're into horror at all, they're, they're out there and especially they keep popping up. Um, but I like that you, they're not traditional aliens. They're so odd looking. It's so weird and you, it's a unique design. They're almost mm-hmm. like skeletons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Carpenter had said that he wanted to avoid uh, traditional, like, high-tech aliens. Uh, and he thought that since they're corrupting humanity, they should look like a corruption of humans. Oh, I love so it. So he went for a corpse-like, you know, appearance. Yeah, that's cool. And I predicted that our unlikely hero would be successful at the end at taking down the baddies. And and he was, to a degree, he wasn't successful in living himself. Yeah, he sacrificed himself. <laughs> he did indeed. Uh, but he he opened he it ends on a note of hope that humans will realize that our eyes have been open that we're no longer sleeping and that we're aware of what's happening around us. That's right. Kill your masters, people. Yes. Can this please happen in life? <laughs> yes. And I do. You know, it's a movie that plays so well as an '80s action movie, but also a commentary on uh, society uh, and. Every time I rewatch it, I always think about like, oh, and there's little like plot lines that are kind of subtly in there that you're like, oh, it just adds more flavor or little details and plot lines that add more flavor to the whole world. Um, This time, again, I was looking at if you pay attention, uh, Roddy Piper has a wedding ring on. Oh. uh, Through the movie because uh, uh, he was a married man uh, and just every acting role he did, he always refused to take it off, regardless of if the director wanted it on or not. So, uh, you know, he just, that's how it was. So I, I think it adds a little bit of flavor where you're like, oh, he's got a wedding ring. Like, but he doesn't say anything about his past. You don't know. You could fill in the blanks with anything. He could be like Frank and he's got a wife and family he had to leave behind somewhere uh, in looking for work. Um, and then that ending too, where you find out they're just like, oh, also a lot of humans have joined up with the aliens. Yeah. Because uh, they got money and power. And you're like, oh, wow. Okay. This is, they keep throwing stuff at you as the movie goes. Yeah. Especially the, uh, the, 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 the one homeless guy who's a bum in the beginning. Yeah. And then he's one of the rich and powerful at the end because he joined up. Yep. That worked out good. But yeah, it was fantastic. I'm so glad I've watched it. And I probably would not have watched it if it weren't for you. Mm, well, I'm glad to enlighten you. <laughs> So how many, how many magic sunglasses out of five do you give this movie? I give it a solid four. A nice Not bad. four fantastic pair of sunglasses. Not bad. What would you, you know, give it? See, this is, uh, this movie for me, it's hard. I grew up with it. Um, I was trying to remember like my own personal history with this flick. Uh, and it's definitely like saw it on cable because it played all the time on like TBS or whatever the hell station. Uh, so I saw it as a kid and it's just always been in like my pop culture vernacular. Um, and it, it, it was making me think too, this was like the kind of movie that um, growing up, like my fandom scene, I feel like uh, for me at least, my experience you had the comic book store, like video store geek culture where, you know, we all loved Star Wars, but also George Romero zombie movies uh, and Batman and comic books and, and horror stuff, you know, John Carpenter. And it was all just mashed together into one fandom. 
and this was one of those movies that everybody knew, you know, because it hits, it's, it's a comic booky, actiony, science fiction horror. It's got everything. So this was definitely one of those movies that uh, go out to the comic book stores and stuff. Everyone's like, "What well, they live. That's like the best movie ever. You've seen that, right? So uh, it's just been always been around for me. A lot of nostalgia. So I give it a five. Nice. Um, and it's just, just one of my all time. I can watch it over and over. I can throw it on and just be like, ah, this is like an old friend. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I can see you it being right up there with one of your 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 top films. Top, it's up there. I just love it. Well, thanks for sharing with me. I, I very much enjoyed it. I was happy to share it. And everybody, if you've never seen They Live somehow, yeah. like Brandy Joe, go watch it. Tell us what now, you think. Go. <laughs> right now tell us so now like onto a totally different 100 percent 180 <laughs> yeah i was racking my brain trying to even compare these two um i uh just as we were talking all i could think is that they both have like corpsey people <laughs> i think they both have sort of alternate universes that you can't that you can't see with just the naked eye I think is maybe. There's something more to reality. Yeah. So let me start off by reading the little description for Relic from Letterboxd. Do it. When Edna, the elderly and widowed matriarch of the family, goes missing, her daughter and granddaughter travel to their remote family home to find her. Soon after her return, they start to discover a sinister presence haunting the house and taking control of Edna. Ooh, spooky. So, so talk Relic. to me about Relic. Relic, <laughs> the French version. Yep. Uh, this movie, I do want to say that this is a movie I want to revisit at another time because honestly, I don't know if I was in the right headspace <laughs> with the state of the world and the point <laughs> in history we're living in, sitting still and watching a real slow burn movie. Yeah. Uh, once it started, I'm like, okay, this is really slow. And my attention is just <laughs> being drawn by too many other things happening in the world right now. Um, so it was a little bit of a, like I had to, I had to get through it, but I did. And this movie to me really felt like hereditary light. That was the yep. first thing I thought watching this, having so recently seen hereditary, I was immediately like, this is hereditary light. Like this is very similar <laughs> It doesn't get as dense, I think, as Hereditary does necessarily, but similar mood. This is another haunted house movie in my mind, really. Um, and it was, I liked the imagery. It was creepy. Some cool aesthetics going on. Um, but the real monster all along was dementia. <laughs> That's <laughs> really how I felt at the end. I was like, this is really a movie just about losing a loved one to dementia and, you know, time. <laughs> the ravages of age and time. So it was kind of sad. <laughs> it definitely is. And um, you're right. There's this review on IndieWire by a guy named Ryan Latanzio. And he says, Relic belongs on the shelf next to the Babadook and Hereditary is highbrow, female-led horror movies that dwell in the slow burn. Yeah, absolutely. just what you said, really. Yeah, the beginning was very... Um, you know, it was mood driven. It's setting some stuff up. I'm sitting there like, well, what's, what's the punchline here? This was also a movie I spent the entire time like, what's the twist? What's the reveal? And there isn't one. This is a movie <laughs> that just kind of, you know, they don't explain anything. 
Uh, that's where I did appreciate Hereditary got weird and crazy, but at the end, they're like, it's a cult, uh, Paymon, blah, blah, blah. They actually had a little, enough explanation uh, to contextualize everything. In this movie, I was like, so was that ever, Ed? like, did Edna, she disappeared and she was replaced by like a pod person, mold <laughs> demon, or uh, did she die and she came back as like some kind of revenant, you know, possessed by something, or, you know, uh, that's where it got off into some weird territory where I'm like, I'm not sure what happened if it even matters, is it all just <laughs> metaphor at the end of the movie again for just making peace with her slide into losing her mind, literally losing herself uh, and then having to make peace with, you know, uh, this isn't grandma anymore. Uh, I don't know. I think you're right. I think it's very similar to the Babadook in that way where the Babadook is sort of like the monster is their grief personified i don't know if it's personified since it's a monster but like sort of um made into a physical thing and i think here the monster is dementia and like when she gets lost in the other world that's sort of here's what it's like to be to like start to you know when you start lose to lose your mind your, lose your mind like this is and and it's hinted at the end of the movie that each one of them are going to go through this because it's a part of it's in their blood. It's mm -hmm. very possible that it, the mom is, you know, the girl's mom, it's going to happen to her and it might happen to, to her someday as well. So I think it's just like a glimpse of it. And like when the, the grandma's missing, it's like, she's just lost in her mind, AKA the house that they're in. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think as realistic as it all feels, I think it is supposed to be all very allegorical. Mm -hmm. um, I've never had a personal experience with some someone who has dementia. I've not really gone through that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the movie would probably hit a bit harder for me if I had. I think from like certain reviews I read, it really resonates with some people. Um, I very much enjoy it. I like that the ending, someone's, there's a review from Cinema St. Louis by this guy named Andrew Wyatt. And he says, a more gleefully nihilistic filmmaker might punctuate their tale with a shrieking exclamation point, but James instead offers an ellipses. And I love mm -hmm. that. Because it definitely is about acceptance of what the grandma has become and less about fearing it. Like it's sort of facing this is who she is now and I'm going to stand by her and be there for her as ugly as she may be. Not like physically ugly, but as ugly as this disease is, I'm going to be here and, and be with her and accept her. She, I mean, she turned into a corpse at the end, so she was pretty <laughs> physically ugly. But no, I, I believe watching it, I'm like, this has to be allegorical as to like, this is, we've stripped everything away and now she's this other thing now. Uh, and we've come and they lay down with her and it's, you know, this weirdly uh, touching art house <laughs> moment by the end of the yeah. movie where you're like, okay, this has become an entirely different thing than it was in the beginning and then in the middle uh, and then in the end. Um, a little bit like 
uh, I, well, I feel like Hereditary had a bit more cohesion in that it was entirely just about the horror <laughs> the entire time. That never yeah. let up. This movie has scary moments. There's a lot of like dread building, I felt, where I'm like, oh, something scary is going to happen. But it, you know, that's not what the, the, the scary thing was her losing her mind. Uh, and yeah, that was, that's where the, the scary stuff came from was the transformation of somebody into something else um, that you'd no longer recognize. Uh, and they did, she did pretty good. Um, yeah, the director, her name's Natalie Erica James, and she talk, talks about um, in an earlier version of the script, it, there was a dop, like a doppelganger as opposed to it being sort of one and the same. Okay, there were like I could, two I was, of them. I was wondering that if that was going to be a twist in the movie. So I could, okay. And then they sort of decided that they would combine the two things because that's like more what it's like in real life. They're sort of one and the same thing. Very, very smart. Yeah. And if there's so many scenes where you can just see like a shadow in the background, just like move a little bit, like it's like getting closer. There's, I think I counted six times where it's almost like Haunting of Hill House, where there's just like a, a weird shadow in the background and they don't really put a huge emphasis on it. Like you just kind of see something move. And that's mm -hmm. so cool. I really appreciate that. It definitely does not rely on jump scares. No. And it still functions again as like a haunted house possession movie. Because again, there's shadows and there's clearly some other presence around them. Uh, all the, Especially the under the bed scene. That one freaked yeah. me out a little bit. When you just barely see something under there and you hear the breathing and it's moving around. Uh, and then you lose it real quick. But Emily Mortimer. Oh, she, I love her. She, she's great. I, and I spent a, a minute trying to figure, it, it was one of those, hey, I know her. What, what, uh, what am I trying to think of as I'm watching the movie? Uh, and it was Lars and the Real Girl. Oh, I've not seen that. That was the movie I was trying to remember. I was like, she was in something and she was great. And it was something quirky and weird. Another weird movie, not a horror movie, but another weird movie. And it was Lars and the Real Girl. I always think uh, of Scream 3. And she's in that as well. And that was, I think that was the first time I saw her. And then she's in a movie called Lovely and Amazing that is just beautiful. And she's so good in it. Yeah, I wish, she probably works a lot. I probably just don't see her movies um, as much, but I, I really love watching her. Yeah, she, she was very, uh, she's just very good. She's very watchable. I don't know what it is. It's an it factor, I guess. Yeah. She's just very watchable. And I did want to, uh, uh, remember to point out the the neighbor uh, was it Jamie was the name of the character yeah um, who they had an actor with Down syndrome yeah play the character uh, and when he popped in I just I, I he was great uh, so I just I loved his scene scenes yeah. he was just he was great and I was thinking about how not exploitative that was to uh, the way he was he he. He just got to act and be himself uh, because other movies, you know, use these types of things as like a stunt casting or, you know, it's somehow part, a big part of the plot where they're going to exploit it in some way. And I just really appreciate uh, when movies, Hollywood, just listen, be better, be more diverse when they have just, there's so many different types of people um, it cast better representation of just the world out there. 
You know, agreed. I, that's that's just right. I don't know how to articulate this. I'm trying to get it out. It's coming out, whatever. But cast different types of people, all kinds of people. It just really uh, fleshes out your universe, your your movie work. It just represents the world better. Agreed. Uh, anybody, everybody's lived experience. Um, but then I was looking him up, uh, and he is a uh, athlete. He was a Special Olympics athlete, gymnast. Oh, cool. That gymnast. that actor, Chris Bunton. He, I guess he's an actor and an athlete, a gold medalist. Uh, what a double threat that is. Holy cow. <laughs> Go get it, Chris. I know. I, I definitely am. I, and then looking him up real quick on IMDb, I saw that he's got some other movies out there that I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to keep an eye on this guy because he was very charming. Indeed, he really was. Very watchable. His, one, his scene coming in there, I was like, this is I want this movie between him and uh, 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 Sam. Uh, her name is escaping me right now. Bella Heathcote. Heathcote? Yeah, Bella she's Heathcote. gorgeous. Yeah, the two of them together was, it was a fun little like, it oh, was. it's like a teen comedy here for a minute. Uh, coming yeah. of age movie. Like that was just a fun little uh, bit of flavor in there. Um, and um, one other really cool thing I read was that the movie, the sound effects were to mimic sensory and memory loss as described by dementia patients. I could get that, you know, listening to the, the, the sound design and the score, it, it was very disorienting because um, there's so many noises because there's music, but then there's also just like weird sounds. Uh, I had to pause it a couple of times because I was like, is that like water running in the other room or something? Like, did I leave a sink on? But I'm like, oh no, it's the movie <laughs> where there's weird sounds just in there in the soundtrack constantly. It was interesting watching it for the second time, knowing where it goes. So I could just sort of say, okay, now I know what it's about. And I'm watching it now knowing that I'm not supposed to be trying to figure out that like some monster found her in the woods and took over her body or something like that, which the first time that's what I was trying to sort of be like, is she an alien? Like, mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to figure this sort of Invasion stuff out. Invasion of the body snatchers or something. Totally. It feels like it's leading you that way, but it, it just, it doesn't go there. Yeah. But it kind of feels like the visit by M night Shyamalan as well. I never I saw that one. Oh, okay. There's just elements of it that kind of remind me of that. So you're trying to kind of figure out the twist, but once you know, it's, it is definitely a more interesting watch. Not, I don't know if more interesting is the right term, but it's, it's a different watch knowing how it all turns out and what it's saying and where it's going. Mm -hmm. um, but when it ended, I looked over at Joe cause I had him watch it with me and I'm like, what did you think of that? And he's like, I don't know what the fuck I just watched. <laughs> that is kind of how I felt at the end too. I was like, what the hell? But had some cool stuff in there. I want to make my prediction here too. Uh, this director, uh, I feel like this is the type of movie, the aesthetic and uh, her control uh, just over this movie. She'll be a name I bet that gets like a comic book movie or something like that in the future. Like I, oh. I, I, I can see Marvel, Marvel comics or whoever, one of these big budget, like, you know, glossy genre movies comic book movies they make she'll be a, a name i bet that'll get tossed in there uh in the future if she as she continues as a filmmaker definitely a good debut like very like very similar solid. to hereditary in that way that you can just tell she really knew what she wanted and it's shot beautifully and you know the music's like terrific um 
she is working on her next projects are also horror projects. And the next one is a Japanese folk horror um, mm. that she's looking to shoot, if not in Japan, at least with Japanese actors, because um, she grew up in Japan until she was like six mm. and her mom is Japanese. So it's a big part of her upbringing. And so she really wants to incorporate that into her next work, but she's definitely every project she's discussed so far is a horror movie as well. So that's exciting. You described this as what you thought it would be about, about something old, <laughs> like mm -hmm. an old person. Uh, yeah. Artifact that there might be an old lady who's evil or has evil forces or somebody finds a cursed object from the past. Maybe a possession or a monster shows up. You're pretty on, right on. Yeah, pretty in there. The, the movie, yeah. It, I'm still trying to figure out what was the relic. Was she the relic? Was the relic just your memories? I don't know. It's a little obtuse, but you know. Open I think it might to interpretation. be because I think the window, like it's a part of lots of the posters, the stained glass oh, yeah, window, that stained glass window, and that was in like the cabin that like Emily Mortimer's grandfather also sort of lost his mind in. She talks about, mm -hmm. and they didn't find him until much later. And he, when they found him, he was sort of similar to how her mom is at the end of the movie once they uncover all of the skin. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's sort of like that is representational of like a beautiful life that like you know the mold creeps in and it's a relic of the past that's i believe i believe that's kind of what it's referencing yeah but um but yeah so i thought you did a pretty good job knowing as very little as you did oh yeah i was just going out on a limb vague as possible yes <laughs> but you didn't say like oh i bet it's allegorical for this or that but that's the no. only thing you were missing in there. And I do mm -hmm. love me some allegorical horror. It can be a little frustrating. I can totally understand that, especially I think some people 100% don't get into that. They want a very straightforward, it's a monster, it's an alien, it's a, a person with a knife coming at you, as opposed mm -hmm. to, you know, oh, it really means this. You just have to dig into it that way, you know? You just have to think. <laughs> how annoying. Yeah. So how many moldy stained glass windows do you give this uh i'm gonna give it a solid three okay but with the caveat that this is a movie i want to revisit i do want to rewatch this one uh again as opposed to uh something like may uh <laughs> that we talked about last time where right. I, I think the one time was probably enough i'm you know i'm not sure i'll uh uh, be itching to pop that one back in again. But this is a movie that I would like to watch again. Uh, and just knowing what it's about now and having already seen it, see what that feels like to watch it uh, more on its own terms instead of trying to figure out what's going on or force it into some box uh, yeah. that it doesn't belong in. I'd like to rewatch it. I give it three and a half. And I thought I was going to give it four. And I didn't like it less on the second watch it just as touching as it is and i do find it moving it doesn't wholly grab me and make me like weep not that like oh if it doesn't make me cry i'm not going to give it four stars but it just i don't completely and i mean you know if i'm really lucky maybe no no time in my life will i fully understand this movie you know i mm -hmm. feel like I'm somewhat grateful that I don't, um, but I know a lot of people do. A lot of people have, you know, 
family members or people they love who have gone through dementia um, or have Alzheimer's and probably maybe this movie really will resonate with them wholly. Um, I do really appreciate it and I, I like it a lot. I just, um, I think the first time I watched it, I gave it four stars, maybe even four and a half. And this time, I don't know. I just, I, I put it at three and a half. So, you know, and that's, that's fine because sometimes <laughs> opinions change and our ratings fluctuate. Uh, you know, man, it's just talking about movies. I had a professor, a film theory professor in college, and she said, talking about movies is like jazz, man. You just, you know, you just, you just rap, you go with it, you play with it and <laughs> can be all kinds of things. You can, you, it can change. So that's right. Fluid. Like it's fluid. Well, cool. Well, I'm, they are two very different movies, but I, I do think the connection is the sort of alternate universe you can't see with the naked eye. That's what I'm going with. I, I like that. I do like that. There is like a, there's a, there's a bigger, something bigger than us. Uh, yeah. Uh, controlling our, our lives involving it's involving itself in our lives. That's, uh, that's what I think's going on in both of these. I dig it. I dig it. Well, cool. Well, this has been another fun week with you. Yeah. It's always nice to know I'm at least going to watch two horror movies a week. I'm, I'm really into that. Yeah. Especially with Halloween now, the season is just, it's done. It's over. Um, just winding up for next year. Winding up for next year. I do think it'll be nice to, though, to have every week these at least two movies. Um, it, it, it feels a little uh, easier to take them in now that I'm not trying to cram in. Uh, I don't have the OCD Halloween uh, nerd thing of like, I got to watch 50 movies this week. Uh, and I'm getting a little overloaded on all the, all the blood and guts I'm seeing constantly. So it's nice to have a little room to breathe and take in some uh, movies on their own time. That's right. That's right. And everybody uh, watch, watch these flicks. Tell us what you think. Yep. Write to us. We still haven't got a single email, so uh, maybe shoot us an email. People just hate us. <laughs> so if you do write us and tell us, how about that? Please tell us. Scaring is sharing at gmail.com or write us on the Instagram. Yeah, the get same. on that Insta, man. Yep. Come get on, on that people. Insta. Slide into the DMs. Scaring is sharing. That's us. Tell us what you think. We're sharing stuff on there. You know, I did some fun stuff for Halloween. So watch, keep watching, keep looking, <laughs> keep listening. And thank you for listening. Whoever's out there in the dark. Whoever's out there watching, <laughs> waiting, lurking in the moldy crevices of the wall just put on those sunglasses yeah, put them on see <laughs> don't don't just obey don't just consume wake up break your programming uh and next week um i'm gonna i have a little surprise for you i oh want to try some uh something thematic through the month of november as we record uh, i'm right. going with i'm going with a theme for all my picks so we'll see sounds how that good goes. so until next time keep sharing those scares because scaring is sharing till next time bye